What a powerful name indeed. Read with me as I read Matthew chapter 22. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose image is this, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, so they left him and went away. Good morning, River Life family. Welcome to our first indoor, in-person, and online service. This is our first in River Life history, and I'm so glad that you're here with us today. I'm Kong, I'm the associate pastor, and again, it's great seeing you. I, mean, I remember when we closed these doors down uh, back in February, March due to COVID, um, and every so often I'd come in to, to grab something or take care of something. There's always this desire of wanting to come back to worship in person uh, with all of you. And these last few weeks, we've been experimenting what that looks like. We've been outside. We've been online. We've been trying a whole bunch of things. And so it's nice to be in a place where it's familiar. It's nice to be back um, in a place where it brings so much joy of like, oh, this is what life pre-COVID looked like. At the same time, I'm reminded that, it, you know, it, although there's familiarity, it's still so different um, you know, the chairs are spaced differently. We're sitting apart from each other. Um, and at the same time, as we grasp this difference, a part of me is trying to understand, like, what does God want from this? And so I'm so excited that you could be with us this morning. Our online congregation, I'm so glad you could be with us digitally as well, too. Well, today we're going to continue our um, series. We've been in a new series as of last week called um, Avoiding Election Infection. We know the election is coming up this year, and it just feels so polarizing of which candidate you're going to be voting for, what social issues is at hand that you are for or against. And it reminds me of a game I like to play. This game's called Would You Rather? And so in a little bit here, I'm going to ask you some questions, and I want you to raise your hand if you would rather do one or the other. Online folks, feel free to type in the comments below which one you would rather do, okay? So, again, this is going to be all fun, so nothing serious, okay? So our first one here. Would you rather have constantly dry eyes or constantly runny nose? 
How many of you would rather have constant dry eyes? Show of hands. All right. How many of you would rather have constantly runny nose? All right. Next one. Would you rather eat a box of dry spaghetti noodles or eat two cups of uncooked rice? Who would rather eat a box of dry spaghetti noodles? Show of hands. How about two cups of uncooked rice? <laughs> I'm not surprised. As a monk kid, I was scared to death if the rice wasn't cooked perfect. And so I have grown to make sure the rice is cooked or else I am in big trouble. All right, last one. Would you rather be transported permanently 500 years into the future or 500 years into the past? Would you rather be transported permanently 500 years into the future or 500 years into the past? Who would want to be transported permanently 500 years into the future? Show of hands. How about the past? Show of hands. <laughs> Man, I love playing Would You Rather because it's so fun to see how we think and we reason which option to choose. And while this is supposed to be fun, sometimes I find myself getting frustrated when there's people who are indifferent. The ones who are like, I don't know. I don't care. Or worse yet, the ones who are like, both. Like, the whole point of the game is to choose one or the other, not both. And oddly, as I think about this fun would-you-rather game, it reminds me of the current atmosphere and environment that we are living in. And it's so much more serious than this playful version, you know, this playful would-you-rather. We've heard one way or another this election has been, is one of the most polarizing elections yet, so many of us feel strongly one way while others feel strongly another way. Again, the social dilemmas, the social issues that we're facing, again, in the current state of our world and our country, it just feels so divided. You have to choose this candidate over that candidate. You have to support this cause over that cause. And if you're not vocal about it, even that puts us in a situation of being in either or situation. There's an expectation that you're for something or against another. Again, you're either for one or the other. How has this made you feel in the last weeks, in the last months, as we ramp up towards elections in the next couple of weeks here? Are you, do you find yourself completely invested in one political party, one, one particular candidate, one ide ideology, social justice issues, whatever it may be? Or are you uncertain where you stand? Are you okay with this either-or mentality that our, social, our, our society has developed? Or does it feel like you're trapped and unsure what to do? Again, we're continuing our Avoiding Election Infection series, and a major issue that, that has been an infection in our world is this issue of feeling trapped because, again, we, there's a sense of that our world is operating on this either-or mentality. We can feel trapped in many ways. We can feel trapped... Because, again, others are approaching us, asking us, is it this or is it that? And, again, isn't it right to call this an infection because it makes us feel sick or bad? I don't know about you, but 
when I hear things on, on, on social media or on the news or people's opinions, sometimes it just, I'm like, I'd rather not read it. It's making me sick. So it is an infection indeed. See, another reason why it's an infection is that when we feel trapped, when we're stuck in this either-or mentality, we can become defensive, withdrawn, maybe even rude, impatient, and critical with others. So how should we operate in our community when we feel trapped by being placed in this either-or mentality? Well, I'm glad that you're here this morning with us. Because Jesus experienced what it felt like to be trapped in an either-or situation, and he had a solution that can be really helpful for us wherever we stand, whoever our political candidate is, whatever issue that we're vying for. And the best example is found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 to 22, the passage that Penny had just read. So let's explore to see what that looks like. So in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is living his last life on earth. He enters Jerusalem, and he is getting ready to be nailed on the cross to be a sacrifice for sins. And at this point, the religious leaders of the area are just fed up with Jesus, and they're trying to find a way to trap him. The Pharisees were a major religious group that, again, were just tired with Jesus. And so they were plotting to find a way to get Jesus out of the picture. They were trying to eliminate him. So what they did to plot against Jesus was they combined uh, forces with a major political group called the Herodians. Now, ironically, the Pharisees and the Herodians, they had zero in common. They had nothing in common. You could actually say that they were probably opponents of each other. They were rivals of each other. They had opposing views of each other. Think of gathering a group of Packer fans and Minnesota Vikings fans and having them agree on one thing. It'll never happen. Likewise, the Pharisees and the Herodians, they were at odds with each other like Packer fans and Vikings fans. Go Vikings. And with that in mind, they were able to settle differences because they were sick and tired of Jesus. You see, the Pharisees, they didn't agree with the Herodians because the Pharisees wanted independence. They represented the Jewish people. They wanted independence from the Roman government. They were anti-Roman government. The Herodians, on the other hand, were pro-government. They expressed an alliance, an allegiance to the Roman government in hopes that they could continue to grow and expand based on the Roman rule. And so again, they were butting heads, but again, to find a way to plot against Jesus was their solution to set aside their differences. So again, in the, the passage that Pang just read, the Pharisees and Herodians conspired to trap Jesus by asking him a simple question. They approached Jesus and they asked Jesus, should we pay taxes? Jesus, should we pay taxes? Now, it sounds like a pretty simple question, but they devised as the, 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 the plan was to trick Jesus, to trap Jesus, because if he answered either way, if he said, yes, pay taxes, no, pay taxes, he would have gotten in trouble. You see, the tax that, that they were referring to was the imperial tax, and this imperial tax went directly to the Roman army that was occupying that land. And so if Jesus said, yes, pay taxes, Jesus would be appearing to side with the Roman government. He would be anti-Jewish. He would be anti-God because the Roman emperor saw himself as a God. And so if he said, yes, pay taxes, the Pharisees would be like, look at this man. He is supporting the, 
the, the opponent. Jesus would also lose favor with the people that he ministered to because he mostly ministered to the Jewish people. And they didn't appreciate the Roman government. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like paying taxes. I hate paying taxes. And during Jesus' time, it was extremely frustrating to pay taxes. Some scholars believe that individuals paid up to 50% of their annual wage for tax. It was a corrupted system where they owed tax to the Romans, and the people who come to collect tax, sometimes they weren't getting paid by the Roman government, and so they would come, collect taxes, and instead of asking for what they needed, they added a little bit more so that they could pocket that money for themselves as their own wage, and so that's why people were paying a high amount of taxes. Now, if Jesus answered, no, don't pay taxes, the Herodians would have blamed Jesus for being a rebel. He would have been against the Roman government. And in that situation, Jesus most likely would have ended in jail, possibly even executed, because he was a traitor to the government. He was an enemy to the government. Now, it appears that Jesus is in a sticky situation. He's trapped. But Jesus ends up answering this question in a very profound way to defuse the trap of being stuck in this either-or situation. Jesus replies to them by saying this. Jesus asked the crowd for a denarius, a coin that was commonly used to pay the tax, and he asked the crowd, whose image is on this coin? And the group replies, Caesar's image is on the coin. You see, the coin that Jesus had asked for was minted by the ruling emperor, the current emperor. So it belonged to the government. So everyone understood that it was right for that coin to be returned to, to, to Caesar through taxes. And if Jesus had stopped there, he would have gotten in trouble. But he continues. And the next part of Jesus' answer is rather puzzling. Jesus says, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's. And then he says, and give back to God what is God's? Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? The statement of give to God what is God's was made in relation to the coin. You see, the coin had the image of Caesar on it, and it belonged to Caesar, so it made sense to return the coin back to Caesar. So here point that Jesus is making is that he's trying to draw a parallel that the coin's image is of Caesar, so therefore we give back to God what God's image is on so that it can be returned back to God. Give back to God what has God's image. It might make more sense if we look at this light. Give back to God who has God's image on them? You see, when Jesus says, give back to God what is God's, he is referring to the people. Because the people, they were all created in God's image. Jesus' desire for them was to see that they needed to give themselves to God by reflecting who God was in the community. So instead of this either-or mentality that was being reflected by the people that was being reflected by the Pharisees, Jesus makes a point to remind the people that they are made in God's image. 
and that they need to approach others with love and kindness, not division and malice. Just as the coin would be used to support and build up a physical kingdom that was Caesar's, Jesus' desire was to have God's people who were created in God's image to build up God's kingdom in the world. You see, Jesus wanted his people to live in a loving community where all of life is being restored to how God intended it. Now, interestingly enough, the chapter before chapter 22 that we're in, in chapter 21, Jesus makes his way to Jerusalem, which was the epicenter of the world that he was in, and he approached that region in peace. He rode on a donkey, and that symbolized that Jesus was coming in peace. This was really confusing to maybe his disciples and to those around him who knew that Jesus was the Messiah. And the Messiah is just a term that means that he was the promised Savior that would free the people from oppression and reign. The people depicted Jesus to be a militant leader, bringing in change, bringing in freedom and liberation from the oppression that they faced. And so they thought that Jesus would overthrow the Roman government. But instead, he came to the epicenter of this world, riding a donkey, proclaiming and demonstrating peace. You see, Jesus showed that for any real, meaningful, transforming change to happen, it needs to be done peacefully. See, peace is the solution to diffuse this either-or mentality that we're living in. Let me say that again. Peace is the solution to diffuse this either-or mentality that we're living in. Peace allows us to be in harmony when we disagree, whereas an either-or mentality cuts relationship. Peace allows us to model the restorative work of God, whereas an either-or attitude divides and destroys. Peace allows us to be like God, who can hold tension to make things right, whereas an either-or attitude can only hold one idea and can only make one person right. Now, peace is probably one of the last attributes that you or I can probably think of in our current state of being. But what does peace look like for you in this current time and state where it's an either-or world? Maybe if you put all your focus, all of your investment into your political party and have forgotten to treat others with care and respect, especially those with different perspectives. Or maybe you have nothing invested in this upcoming election because you're not sure about your opinion or rather just not get involved with the situation or maybe you just simply don't care. Some of us who are deeply invested in our political candidate and our ideologies and the things that we want to support Maybe we need to take a step back and consider how we're treating others. Are we trapping them like the Pharisees and Herodians looking to attack their personal political views um, or, or other ideologies that they may have? Maybe we need to consider how we can approach others from a both-and perspective rather than an either-or perspective. How can we approach others from a both-and perspective instead of an either-or perspective? And maybe more importantly, maybe we need to consider what, we are, what being created in the image of God means 
so others who do not share the same political candidates or ideologies or concerns that we have, we can continue to treat well. For those of us who are withdrawn from the political scene, maybe we need to take a step back to consider how we can find ways to embrace this tension and demonstrate what it looks like to care for others who are created in God's image. You see our next political leader, whoever it is, they're going to be responsible for policies that will make a difference in the world, whether positively, negatively, neutrally. They're going to have opportunities to do that. Our vote, similarly to the coin that Jesus asked for, is important. We owe it to our candidate and our government system. But what's more important is how can we go about it in a way that reflects God's peace so that we can make an impact on people in our world, in our community, in the upcoming election, in the next four years, whoever our president, president is, and for eternity. See, one thing I think about, one of the things that Jesus explains what a Christian is, what a follower of Christ looks like, is that in the Beatitudes, he tells believers, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are children of God. And sometimes when we get so caught up in this either-or mentality, we forget that. And so my encouragement for all of us is to see what that could look like for us to be peacemakers so that we can be children of God. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much for the example of Jesus in Matthew chapter 22 or something seeming so insignificant, be so profound. It is a reminder that in this either-or state of being mentality that we're in, you call us to reflect what it means to be created in your image. You call us to be peacemakers. And so the infection of wanting to be right, wanting to be heard, wanting to make sure our political ideologies and agendas are met, sometimes that cut, comes at a cost. And so may peace proceed all that we do and all that we desire so that even though we have different views, we can still be in relationship with one another, reflecting the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And so God, would you show us what that looks like in our lives? Would you show that what that looks like in our community, with our friends, our coworkers, and our family? Can we thank you for your example in Jesus? And so we pray that this all up your name, Lord. Amen.